welcome to 153 Great Podcasts, a ministry of 153greatfish.com. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. This is another episode of Christian Menorah. In this episode, we invite Sister Michelle Forsyth to teach us about the four principles of why people are not healed. And pay close attention. She's going to study the book of James. And the title of our lesson is, What Does James Say About Healing and Restoration? by Morgan Ellis. And we've been studying James. This is the fourth week that we've studied James. And we love the book of James. He's practical. He's the pastor of the New Testament church and so helpful in living our day-to-day lives for the Lord. The objective to tonight's lesson about what does James say about healing and restoration is to understand that believers must strive to be both intentional and biblically positioned in order for our prayers to yield more consistent results. I know when I pray, I want results. I don't want to just pray and not see a change or not see things happen. That's why I have faith when I pray. So keep these questions in mind as you hear them. And then at the end, when you're discussing in your group, you'll be discussing these questions. Number one, how are we intentional and biblically aligned in the way that we pray for the sick? Number two, how is the repentance of sin a prerequisite to healing? In our own lives, should sin first be repented of before healing can take place? If so, why? Four, do we have a one-size-fits-all approach to supernatural healings? And if not, what do we have? Number five, if healing does not occur, should we despair or re-examine our approach? And the author of the lesson writes, is any sick among you Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we find those scriptures in James chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. In a day of pandemics, vaccines, and medical uncertainty, the question on more minds than ever is, how can we have supernatural healing? Many apostolics are frustrated when they believe God for miracles, but fail to see them happen. Much of this is due not to the why or the why not, but rather the how. Our God is a God of order. And like many other aspects of Christian life, different problems have different solutions. For example, Not all sicknesses originate from the same source, and consequently, they have distinct approaches in how they should be handled. 
In the above passage, James offered some insight into the early church's multifaceted approach to the healing of the sick. So to understand this, we must consider the context of the entire book of James. James's epistle has become a champion in the balanced emphasis between justified faith and dutiful obedience. Unlike Paul, who often addressed those who felt the work of Christ was not complete and needed to be supplemented by works of the law, James addressed those who felt a mental affirmation of faith was all they needed for salvation. James admitted that faith is the basis of salvation, but faith that stays only in the mind is not genuine faith at all. That's in chapter 2 of James, verses 14 and verse 26. Real faith produces action. James's purpose for this teaching can be condensed into one phrase. When faith is idle, sin is rampant. That's in chapter 1, verses 22, 23, and 24. God's powerful word is the antidote for our souls from the filth and the perversion of the flesh. This, of course, is only accomplished when one positions himself as a doer of the word of God. That's chapter 1, verses 21, 22, and 23. James was not writing to people who needed to have faith, but to those who needed to live their faith. He stated, without faith-filled obedience, the doorway for sin is wide open. And when sin enters the room, it brings death. James chapter 1, verse 15. Many Christians often fail to recognize that sin's consequences are not only spiritual, but they also can be experienced in physical ways. Indeed, Sin imposes itself in many ways that often go unrecognized. Its inability to harness the tongue's destructive power, we talked about that in this James study in these last four weeks, in verses three, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Its ability to rob us of godly wisdom, that's in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And in, verse, in chapter 4, verses 11, and chapter 5, verse 12, its capacity to cause social division. And then finally, sin's consequences are not limited to causing sickness and suffering in our physical bodies. That's found in chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Clearly, all sickness is not a result of sin. However, James' prescription on how the church should handle the healing of the sick stands out from all other biblical principles. Nowhere else in scripture are believers commanded to pray for the sick as we would think of prayer in the formal sense. It may be hard to believe, but in every New Testament example of divine healing, there was no formal prayer directed to God. 
The commission given by Jesus and demonstrated by the early church is to lay hands on the sick and command the sickness to leave. And there are many scriptures that support that. You can find that in Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Acts 5 and 12. Acts 6 and 8. Acts 8, verses 6 and 7. Acts 9, verse 34. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. And Acts chapter 20, verse 9. So there's many scriptures to support laying hands on the sick and commanding the sickness to leave. This aspect of the Christian life has been freely given by God to believers. To beg God for something he's already given the church is an unbiblical approach to the healing of the sick. We don't have to ask God to do that. He's already given that to believers. With this understanding, why does the book of James contain the anomaly of formal prayer offered for the sick? It is helpful to understand that not all sicknesses have the same cause and therefore do not all have the same remedy. Scripture indicates there are four origins for sickness. Number one, organic sickness caused by environmental or physical elements that bring harm to the body. Number two, a demonic cause of sickness. You find that in Matthew 12, verse 22, Luke chapter 13, verses 11 through 16. Number three, the cause could be sin. Refer to Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, John chapter 5, verse 14. Number four, the will of God could be the cause. John chapter 9, verse 3, and 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. Organic, demonic, sin, or the will of God. Thus, in this passage, James isn't dealing with sickness caused by a natural source like a bacteria or a physical misfortune. He is addressing the sin as much as the sickness itself. Sicknesses that are birthed as a result of sinful behavior. Therefore, there is an issue with the church's original methodology for supernatural healing. The church has been given authority to heal sicknesses, but not to forgive sin or reverse its consequences. When Jesus dealt with this issue, he had the authority to forgive sins, thus reversing the ailment. James knew the procedures declared by Jesus for divine healing. He was likely there when they were first issued. Therefore, it is reasonable to assume he wasn't altering the original formula, but providing further instruction if the sickness had a much deeper cause. This article, written by the author, does not delve into the theological significance of which sins cause sickness or at what point the sickness might occur. Instead, it addresses the reality 
that we are often unfazed when a despondent soul leaves our altars unhealed. This passage in James reveals that if a person was continually living with sickness in the early church, it was not taken lightly. Praying for them was more than a quick brush of the hand and a few uttered words. It was an entire event. First, the sick person would formally call for a meeting with the elders. And the elders would anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Followed by an effectual, fervent prayer of faith. A passionate prayer. If he still wasn't healed, he would confess to the elders the sin that might have caused his sickness. Yet we often quickly move on with a half-hearted prayer when it doesn't bring forth fruit. James culminated his instruction of prayer for the sick with a powerful assertion. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The prayers of a righteous man or woman can profit on behalf of a sinful man or woman. In other words, we keep believing until God says otherwise. And when healing doesn't come, we may need to adjust our approach. Ultimately, we must strive to be both intentional and biblically positioned in order for our prayers to yield more consistent results. You've been listening to 153greatpodcast.com, a ministry of 153greatfish.com. Please subscribe, and better yet, help us by contributing. God bless you. Oh.